podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to the Cut to the Race podcast. Today we are here to review the Singapore Grand Prix. Now the lights have just gone out, so you can probably tell in my voice I'm very excited about this. What an exciting race it was. Um, with me today, we only have Abby, but there's nothing wrong with that. It is just me and Abby. James can't be here and Sam is still on holiday. So how are you doing, Abby? I'm doing very well, thank you, Ollie. That race was amazing. I'm wearing Mercedes merch, but I feel like I should have two other teams' merch on me as well after the result. But I'm looking forward to discussing it with you. Yeah, it was it was absolutely mega. I mean, I'm also in. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> actually in the pit lane uh, to the team pit crews top today. Um, I'm not going to tell you for which team because I'm not biased, um, but I'd happily be wearing Ferrari, um, McLaren, or Mercedes. So it's one of those. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Um, but oh god, where do we start? We start with our weekend ratings. So on a scale of one to ten, with five um, being average. Abby, how would you rate this race weekend in Singapore? Nine out of ten. Which is nine out of ten. That's my highest this year so far this season. Singapore Grand Prix weekend is my highest. It was, it was just amazing, and <laughs> it's not because like Red Bull were struggling. I mean that did play a part in it, but the amount of battles that we've seen, especially in the race in the final few laps, it was amazing to have that competitiveness for the lead for the podium positions back in f1 so nine out of ten do do you have my scores in front of you by any chance i do what was my last highest okay so your highest overall is eight which you've given for saudi arabia silverstone and italy monza last weekend oh my god i can't even remember saudi arabia and i gave it an eight um (laughs) Okay, well, in that case, I'm going to join you, Abby. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Now, it doesn't get that extra point for 10 out of 10 because the start was a little bit slow um, and a little bit stagnant, but qualifying was great, full of surprises. Um, It looked all through the weekend like anyone could win this race, and... Oh my God, did it turn out to be like that? Um, And even with Red Bull having their struggles, they still were competitive in the race. And, you know, we saw them battling and taking positions, losing positions, but taking positions as well. And for me, that's what this sport is all about. So yeah, nine out of 10 for me. So we're not going to do the quiz this week because it's just me and I'm not the best at quizzes. Um, Abby, would you agree with that? I know that you've <laughs> called me out before. Oh, Ollie won't get this. No, you give it your best shot. But I must admit, James and, well, especially James, out of all four of us, he's, he's really good at quizzes. He said before he loves pub quizzes. And Sam's has very extensive knowledge as well. So 
We'll we'll do a quiz when they're back. When they're back. <laughs> it just Abby was like, yeah, let's not bother doing it because Ollie, you're rubbish. <laughs> that is not what I said. <laughs> no, to be fair, it wasn't. I said that. Um, but okay, so we're not going to do the Formula Notes quiz today, but we are going to do everything else that we always do, including the practice overview qualifying little little discussion on that um we're going to do the national anthem review and of course we're going to talk about the race so let's start with what happened in practice abby any key call outs uh, from practice this weekend well obviously the track for this weekend did see some changes four corners were removed and a straight was added between turns 15 and turns 16 so fp1 was more a session of one the rookies lawson sergeant and piastri learning Singapore itself, but all the other drivers learning that new section of the track. There were a lot of lizards on track in FP1, yellow flags coming out, and everyone was a bit confused because no cars were stopped, but lizards were on track. Some drivers had moments going over the kerbs. Stroll had limited running in FP1 because the team needed to take off the aero rate probes from the side pods. And it was Leclerc, Sainz and Verstappen fastest in FP1. FP2, not a lot happened. Albon had an issue with the loss of power, so came in. But it was Sainz, Leclerc and Russell in the top three. And then FP3, Lawson suffered a spin um, in sector one. Albon got close to the wall and Verstappen continued his complaints about issues with the car. And it was Sainz, Russell, Norris fastest. So Ferrari were looking to be rather strong here in Singapore. Yeah, so I think, you know, as as we've said, it was looking like uh, it's up for grabs this weekend. There were a lot of different drivers um, performing well. But what I want to ask you about, Abby, is what do you think of these track changes? So my personal view... Um, they've taken out four corners. Essentially, it's almost like a, a sort of rectangle area. Um, very, very descriptive there. Um, in order to create, as Danica Patrick would call it, a straightaway, um, but just a long straight. Um, now, those those corners they've taken out were primarily where the safety car would normally come, for instance, around those. And as a result of taking those out, lap times were about 10 seconds faster, I believe, um, meaning the Grand Prix wasn't as long. But I'm not I'm not sure I like it. I think I liked it how it was before. Um, I don't... Do you know a reason why they took them out? No, I don't um, know the specific reason for taking it out. I think with it having the added straight and added DRS zone, I thought it would play into the hands of Red Bull because they have had very powerful DRS throughout this whole season. Obviously, they said that Singapore wasn't a strong track for them as a team, and that clearly was conveyed over the weekend. I... I'm kind of like on the fence with the track changes. I'm not against them. I'm not for them at the moment. I feel like we need to see a couple more races at Singapore with the added straight to get the full benefit of what it can bring. Obviously, it made the whole race 62 laps instead of 61. And you say about the four corners before being where the safety car was primarily brought out. We saw safety, well, we saw a safety car and a VSC in today's race. And I feel like at the moment it pushes the drivers to be a little bit more on the edge, having another straight and pushing it to the limits, going 10 seconds faster, like you say. But I'm not really sure how I feel about them completely yet. Yeah, and I think, you know, what they removed was the it was the sequence of corners, essentially, that went underneath the grandstand, which was quite an iconic sort of shot of Singapore, seeing an F1 car go under a grandstand, which I thought, I've always thought was just epic, um, which went into sort of the marina area. 
Um, but what it also meant was that, you know, the teams didn't have any data uh, in terms of tire degradation and how that would impact it. And I think that the interesting part of those practice sessions was, right, okay, we've been in Singapore since, I can't remember when, but a long time. Um, now, how's this going to change it for the for the tire wear and, you know, the race the race strategy, essentially? Um but all in all, it seemed to it seemed to work. It seemed to do its thing. Um, and again, I've I've even just had a look, and I can't find a reason why they changed it. But they did. Um, okay, do we want to talk about qualifying, Abby? Yes, definitely. So Q one, Ferrari were continuing their strong form. Obviously, all teams apart from Haas have brought upgrades to this weekend, and Ferraris definitely seem to be working. Sonoda went fastest overall at one point in the AlphaTauri, but the main talking point from Q1 was the red flag that ended the session early and delayed the start of Q2, and it was Lance Stroll going into the final corner, heading down the main straight. He had a 150-mile crash into the wall. He is okay. He made it out of the car, but he was unable to race in the Grand Prix today. But that did mean that it was Bottas, Piastri, Sargent, Joe and Stroll out of Q1. Yeah, so watching on board with Lance Stroll's lap, it looked like he was struggling all the way around and almost, he was overdriving the car. And I don't know about you, Abby, but when I was watching it, because the actual F1 feed was on Stroll as it happened, but I I almost saw the future. Um, I, I could, I just knew it was going to happen uh, because there were just kicks of oversteer everywhere. And as he went over that... Um, uh, the the raised corner uh, on the final corner, it, you know, it just unsettled the car. As soon as it settled again, his wheels were pointing towards the towards the um, the barriers that he hit. But I mean, that was a terrifying crash. Watching it live was was absolutely terrifying. That his head was shaking all over the place, and the I haven't seen any reports of the G force. Um, but he's he was lucky, you know, to walk away from that. And it's such a testament to safety in in motorsport. It definitely is. I think it was Brundle who said on the commentary feed, if that crash would have happened 15, 20 years ago, it would have been a different outcome and it would have been a different story. So thankfully, the safety of F1 has improved and Stroll was okay. But yeah, it was terrifying watching it. Like you say, his head was going back and forth, side to side so quickly that like I can't imagine the pressure and the pain that he was going through at that moment. And I've seen on social media fans' videos from being in that grandstand and then seeing his car coming and smashing the wall and spinning into the track. And also for the cars that were coming round behind Stroll, I think it was the McLaren, I want to say Piastri, that was a close call also to just avoid the debris of Stroll's car. But yeah, terrifying when that happens and live as well. Yeah, absolutely, because there's no hiding it uh, when it's live. Um, and as you said, he didn't take part in the race on Saturday. So I've got the statement from the Aston Martin team. Um, and they said, following Lance's crash and qualifying for the Singapore Grand Prix, Lance and the Aston Martin Aramico cognizant Formula One team uh, have jointly agreed that he will not participate in this evening's race, obviously being today. Um, the team face a huge job repairing the car today, and Lance is still sore following such a huge, such a high impact. Lance's focus now fully shifts to recovering ahead of the Japanese Grand Prix. Do we see? I was thinking, why don't they put the reserve driver in? Why why don't they put Drogovic in the car? Um, do you think this is a case of Lance actually is number one? He's really shaken up by it because that must have been terrifying. And number two, they couldn't repair the car in time. 
I think so. Obviously, the damage to the Aston Martin car was quite immense after the crash for Stroll. And he's had a couple of weekends recently and he doesn't he doesn't seem to be quite as on form as Alonso. And I think Singapore it is a tough race, especially in the heat. And then Suzuka next weekend, that is also quite a tough race as well. And I think he needs that time to reset and just make sure that he is okay to race in Japan. But with the rookies, I think it is they need do they need to complete a practice session and a qualifying session to have been able to race today? I feel like uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think they need to, but yeah, so Aston Martin did only run one car and unfortunately the weekend didn't improve much. Mm, well, we did do an entire episode about Lance Stroll the other day and our thoughts on it. So uh, we won't go on too much, but I do feel like this may be another part to the story and maybe another part to why he may not remain in the sport. You know, personally, I feel if if your head's not 100% in it, um, as we may suspect, and then you hit a wall at 150 miles an hour, it's just going to put things back into, to it, back into perspective of why am I doing this? Do I want to continue doing it? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But let's move on to Q2, Abby. Well, Q2 was the first time that Williams got into Q2 in Singapore since 2016. Obviously, it was our one that made it through. But the interesting thing was... Both Red Bulls were in danger. Perez set a lap time and he could only go 13th after making a mistake at turn three. Verstappen managed to improve and he got into 10th. However, Liam Lawson, in his third Formula One race weekend in an AlphaTauri, beat Verstappen in the Red Bull and knocked Verstappen out. So it was Verstappen, Gasly, Perez, Albon and Sonoda out in Q2. And I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, isn't there? Um... Number one, the world champion, double world champion, Max Verstappen being knocked out. Now, I think we could see that it wasn't going to be a good weekend, but oh boy, I didn't expect both. Well, actually, I did expect Perez to go out in Q2, but I didn't expect Verstappen to go out in Q2. And more so to be beaten by a rookie in, is it his third race now? Second race. It is his third. Yeah, his, his third race. I mean, what a result for Liam Lawson. Uh, kind of ironic that he's done it in Alpha Tauri, which is the sister team of Red Bull. I, I imagine Dr. Helmut Marco had a few words to say. But at the end of the day, if Liam Lawson is able to perform to that level and knock another driver out, it, it is what it is, really. Um, what's your thoughts on, on Liam Lawson, you know, so far in F1, Abby? He's done amazingly. I think... I was talking um, to my dad earlier and comparing him to Sargent because Sargent had one season in F2 and is coming to F1 and hasn't really like peaked yet. He hasn't got that, that drive that's enabling him to get points and perform as well as his teammate. Whereas Lawson, he had a couple of years in F2. He's raced in other championships. He's currently racing in the Super Formula Series this year. And he's coming to F1, thrown into the car in the middle of a weekend. And now in Singapore, his third race, he's a rookie and he scored points in Singapore, which no rookie has ever done before. No one scored maiden points in Singapore. And he put up a hell of a drive. He is performing so well. And I think I think he deserves a seat next year. I must say, he is doing really well. Yes, he is indeed. And um, also what surprised me was how quick the Hasses were going in Q2. But let's move on to Q3. Well, with both Red Bulls out, the only Red Bull driver in Q3 was Lawson. 
even though Alpha Tari, but you know. Um, but then it was a battle for the pole. And it was a battle between both Ferraris, Lando Norris and George Russell, because all of them went fastest at one point in the session. But it was Carlos Sainz who took pole position, a consecutive pole position from Monza to Singapore, which is exactly what Ferrari did in 2022. And it was Russell on the front row in P2, Leclerc P3, Norris P4, Hamilton P5, Magnussen P6, Alonso P7, Ocon P8, Hulkenberg P9 and Lawson in 10th. Yeah, I mean, Ferrari, they they just seem like they, they may have tweaked whatever those issues were that they were having. Uh, it was pretty clear throughout the entire weekend that, you know, Ferrari were going to be contenders for pole. Um, and I was also surprised to see the difference between Russell and Hamilton, if I'm honest, because um, it did seem like Carlos was always the Ferrari that were, you know, if a Ferrari was going to get pole, that it was going to be Carlos. Um, but obviously having having such a big gap between the mercedes of nearly half a second um that that is a it is a big gap in qualifying especially you know for for lewis hamilton um both of those hasses in there absolutely mega with you know hassin uh, sorry magnuson in p6 and um hulkenberg in p9 but yeah what what a response from uh, from from Carlos Sainz to get that pole, and I mean it was close. It was zero point zero seven two um, between Russell and um, Carlos Sainz, but that also meant that Russell would start on the dirty side of the grid. It did, it did, and it was it was just so good to see. And I think not having like when Red Bulls are in, well, when Max is in Q three. I'm kind of like, okay, he's going to get pole because he's in the fastest car. He's one of the best drivers on the grid. It's easier for him to get pole. But without them in Q3, it was then, it was just a fight till the end. And science has done amazingly all weekend. He was strong in practices, strong in qualifying. And it was so close. But it made for a really exciting race because of all the drivers that you had up the front, Science, Russell, Leclerc, and Norris, Hamilton, both Hasses, like you say, Alonso was further back. It felt like a lot of drivers were out of position, which then was like, so what's going to happen in the race? Yeah, naturally, it's sort of displacement, isn't it? When when the Red Bulls aren't there, right? Who's who's going to be there to take it? And one driver I particularly felt sorry for was um, Piastri because the McLarens were clearly on form. And we do know that Lando Norris had some more upgrades than Piastri did for this weekend um, in that stealth liveried McLaren, which, by the way, mwah, absolutely looked mega. Um, but Lando Norris qualifying P4 and Piastri all the way back in, where did he... P17 because of the crash with um with Stroll I, I really felt for, uh, felt for him because you know he was milliseconds away from being up there with with those boys and I would have loved to see what they could have done definitely definitely and as you say McLaren I think had nine upgrades and Lando's car was the one with all of them Piastri will get all of them in Suzuka but it was a shame his qualifying was cut early because of the crash in Q1 and like you say it would have been great to see what he could have done and just how much difference all the upgrades made compared to a few of them between the difference of the McLaren cars. Yeah, so I, I did read somewhere, um, obviously the stealth livery for McLaren, um, it was because the new parts, they're, they're actually heavier and they needed to get the weight off the car. So it was more of a convenient thing to make a, a carbon fibre livery um, than um, paint it all orange again and have a heavier car. I, I mean, how much do you read into that, Abby? <sighs> It could be true. It could not. I mean, I like the livery. The upgrades clearly work. So, you know, keep both of them. 
as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only other thing that we can sort of talk about before we get into the race is... Um, the new technical directive. Now, there's a lot of conspiracies and rumours that um, since they had uh, launched this technical directive, that um, this was what was causing Red Bull um, the issues, that they'd had to change the car to to, to some aspect. Um, what do you read into that? Obviously, Red Bull have said, no, we didn't change anything on the car. We haven't had to. I think a lot of people along the paddock are saying, yeah, it's, it's the same car as normal. But we don't know that. And for such a huge turn of performance for Red Bull, do you think there's more than just it was a bad weekend? Potentially. Obviously, they bought a new floor edge and a new rear wing end plate to this weekend. And they've said all along that Singapore is going to be a tricky circuit for them. However, the new technical directive focuses on the flexible bodywork of the car, making sure that everything is fair and there's it's equal and there's transparency throughout the grid. And I just find it interesting because in F1, we've had it before where a team can be so dominant and then halfway through a season, they suddenly drop off. And yes, Red Bull have continued their dominance throughout the first half and into the second half of the season. But they were so strong in Monza, well, throughout the rest of the season, as we know, but they were so strong in Monza. And then a week later, they suddenly had this massive drop off when this new technical directive has come in. And Singapore's a street track and they were so dominant in the past street tracks of this season. They won them, obviously. I think Perez won Jeddah and Baku. Max won Monaco. So it does beg the question of whether they've been forced to change something because of this technical directive. They're not going to necessarily say that to everyone and be like, oh yeah, so this has come in and we've had to change this and change this and that's why we're slow. They're not going to admit it. But like you say, unless you're part of the Red Bull team, you're not actually going to know what has changed on the car. Yeah, one of our team, they actually made a good point. They said if they had had to change something, Christian Horner would have been out to the media saying, oh, the FIA is trying to slow us down, this, that and the other. He would have used it as, you know, something to talk about, not just brush it off. Um, and I kind of see that. I kind of see, you know, in the past where we've seen um, changes of regulations and things like this, you know, with rear wings, especially um, flexi wings again in the past, um, this seems a first to talk up and say, ah, oh, this is absolutely ridiculous. He said this, he said that. Um, and especially if it's costing them performance they'll blame it on that but that hasn't happened um and i think you know it's interesting if you look back over the years you know red bull didn't have a good race here last year yet they were still dominant and when mercedes were dominant they didn't have a great race in singapore either i feel like it might just be the track there's so there might just be something there which it's very very difficult to put your finger on what it is about singapore now i remember years ago they were talking about something to do with electrical lines or electrical interference underneath the track that was causing radios and, and um, telemetry to, to play up. But there, there might just be something else. It might just be the humidity. Yeah, it could be anything. I think the only way we'll know is when it comes to next weekend and whether Red Bull are still on the back foot and still having these issues because they did struggle a lot throughout the whole weekend, not just in qualifying laps, but through the race as well. So... I think we'll have to wait till Suzuka. If they're still, if they're back on form with Pearl winning the race, then Singapore is their weakest circuit. If not, who knows? Indeed. Only time will tell. Um, but it is that time of the week where we do the world famous national anthem review. 
Okay, so this one was a bit, I'm going to say, mediocre um, would be the way I would put this one. It was um, performed by, I believe, cabin crew from the Singapore Airlines... um, Airline? (laughs) I couldn't quite find the word there. Um, But I I couldn't quite work out, Abby. Now tell me if if you noticed this. Were they miming it? Because it really looked like they were. See, I had that same thought because I was watching it and I was like, you look like you're mouthing words, but I'm not hearing those words Mm. right at this moment. It did look out of sync, which did let it down for me. It wasn't the best national anthem. It wasn't the worst one, but it, it didn't look right because I feel like they were miming it. Yeah, so, I mean, it could have been an audio delay. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it was just a, de- a delay from the from the audio to the to the visual feed. We sometimes see that where you can hear things in the crowd before you hear it um, on the actual feed. Um, either way, it did look a bit weird out of sync. It was like watching, you know, Netflix at the moment seems to have so many films in uh, different languages. And when you watch the Englishman speaking over the top of a French film, it just doesn't line up, and it's 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 very weird to watch, and that's how I felt about this one. <laughs> um, all right, Abby, what would you give it out of ten, and uh, why? Okay, I'm going to give it a five out of ten because it was average. They might have been miming it, but like you say, it might have been an audio delay. It wasn't anything special for me, so five out of ten. Yeah, um... I'm going to give it a 5.5. <laughs> Why not? Um, I, I felt like they were being very patriotic about their airline um, and to get their their stewards and stewardesses, you know, um, off the planes for a day and onto the Singapore Grand Prix circuit. I thought that was nice. You know, it's something they're clearly proud of. And um, if they were singing, they did a good job of it. So that was the uh, mediocre national anthem review. Let's get on to the race. So, Abby... Talking about the race, let's get into the first, well, the the, the start of the race. Uh, what did you make of it? It was it was good. I feel like I feel like the beginning of the race it held so much promise, but it didn't arrive until like three quarters of the way into it. But at the beginning, you had both Red Bull drivers and Valtteri Bottas on the hard tires, Leclerc, Sonoda, Piastri, and Joe were on the softs, and then everybody else was on the mediums. And as the lights went out, Carlos Sainz had an amazing reaction time and managed to keep the lead. Leclerc managed to get ahead of Russell. And then there was a little bit of a scrap between Hamilton, Norris and Russell because Hamilton, he looked like, to me, he looked like he got ahead of Norris into the corner. But then he was trying to go side by side with Russell to get ahead but he ended up going off the track and then he had to give the places back to Russell and Norris as well. Verstappen made up some places, which isn't surprising. Um, And then a couple of laps in, there were yellow flags for Yuki Tsunoda because he did stop on track, but he, he was very nice about it because he managed to pull off into the runoff area and had his car out of the way so the race could carry on. But he retired because he got a puncture after contact with Perez which caused Perez to lose his front left end plate, I believe, of the front wing. So, I almost wish he had parked it in the middle of the road because it would have made um, it brought the safety car out being a bit more <laughs> exciting. Um, the start of this race was definitely not one for the record books, but um, talk about the Hamilton saga. 
I mean, he definitely gained an advantage. There was absolutely no doubting it. Um, he just... <laughs> I was actually watching it thinking, what are you doing? Um, like, surely you're just going to give your teammate back. Like, I wasn't even thinking about Norris at that point. Um, but he just... He, he doesn't need corners. <laughs> It was just bizarre. It was. And yeah, he definitely gained an advantage over Russell. I think he looked so in control with it, which is why I think Norris was like, well, he needs to give it back to me because he deliberately like went off track. It wasn't, oh, he's locked up and Mm. went off track. Um, But yeah, I'm glad he did manage to get the spaces back rather than being given a five second penalty on the opening lap because the race was only just getting started and there were like 62 more laps to go. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we always see drivers at the start of uh, the race in Singapore going off over there. It was just a manner in which he did it so fast, like his foot was planted to the floor. Um, And then, yeah, it was only when the FIA, well, the stewards said, uh, yeah, we're looking at this. Oh, oh, okay, have the places back, have the places back. I'm sorry. Uh, You know, he was going to chance it for as long as he could. But that's what you do, right? You're a racing driver. You're not going to go, oh, why why don't you go as well, mate? Actually, you could have, yeah, you pass as well. You just don't exactly. do it, especially especially not in Singapore where it's so difficult to overtake. Exactly that. Um, so we did have a a crash. We, I mean, we had a few today, but the first one was uh, Logan Sargent, I believe. Yes, it was on lap 19. And when I first saw this, I thought it was very bizarre because Sargent down the straight at turn eight into the barriers and he lost his front wing and then... He managed to keep going, but he captured part of the front wing under the left-hand side of his car and then was dragging it along the track as he was making his way back to the pits and debris was flying everywhere. Not Nick DeVries, by the way. No. Did I say Nick DeVries? No. Do you remember when Carlos Sainz last year? Oh, yes. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Bad joke, Ollie. Um, Yeah, it was the Financial Times front wing of the Williams that was dragging along, wasn't it? Great promo for them, this was. It was, and it it took a while for the safety car to come out. I thought they were going to call it, like, straight away, but they didn't. But on lap 20, the next lap, that was when the pit stops began for the front runners. Yeah, so, the, I mean, this really confused me, this safety car, Abby, because he'd had the crash. They hadn't done anything. He drove around with his Financial, financial Times front wing all the way around the circuit. I'm sure they'll be re- they'll, they'll be uh, responsoring him next year, by the way. And just as, as he got into the pit lane, oh, now we need a safety car. And there wasn't much talk of why. Now, you can only assume it was because of Nick DeFries' debris. Um, but, yeah, it just seemed like even F1 knew at this point, nothing's happened in this race whatsoever. Um We've got a small opportunity here, a very small opportunity to try and make this a little bit more interesting. And I mean, it certainly did, but it did feel a bit manufactured to me. Yes. I was sitting watching it going, why aren't you calling a safety car? You need to call a safety car. There's no safety car. Why isn't there a safety car? Oh, okay. Now you've called the safety car. So it did seem a bit delayed, but it did spice things up because... Leclerc, who had previously been told to back up a bit from science and hold those up behind him, both of them came into the pits, science and Leclerc, and it was to allow a Ferrari double stack. Mercedes then both came into the pits to do a double stack. Norris also came into the pits, as well as several other drivers. But Norris managed to pit Leclerc because Leclerc was held in the pits to let Hamilton enter his pit um, box 
So it then rearranged the order coming out. So you had Sainz in first, then Verstappen, because he didn't pit, Russell in third, Norris was in fifth, Leclerc was in sixth, and Hamilton in seventh. So it, it did mess it up because it was good for Sainz, but Ferrari sacrificed Leclerc. Yeah, I mean, it really screwed over Leclerc really badly. And it felt like, obviously, he was the, the sacrificial lamb um, to keep Carlos Sainz at the front, which which was fine. And I feel like at that point, yeah, Leclerc's race was 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 over. It turned out like he could have done a bit better in the end. But um, obviously, they had to keep the Red Bulls out as well because they were on the hards and that would have interfered with their strategy. But Red Bull staying out was really betting on another safety car um, and, you know, then being able to change change the tyres under that. But that Red Bull was like driving on ice uh, towards the end of that stint, wasn't it? It was, and I believe that is what Max Verstappen said as well, driving on ice. I wondered where it came from, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they, were, they started on the hards, so their strategy needed a safety car. But like you say, they had the first one it was way too early for them to come into the pits and change tires at that point so they did have to wait for another one one of the interesting things i thought was alonso because he's had such a great season but this weekend didn't go great for him and then when he was coming into the pits he locked up went over the white line then crossed back over the white line to enter the pits which obviously you're not allowed to do so he got a penalty so his race was also um not going the way that he wanted yeah, and it was the first time Alonso's actually criticised Aston Martin since he's been there. You know, he, he's not scared of um, calling out a GP2 car when he was at McLaren. Um, but it felt like, you know, he was really being nice to Sir Lawrence Stroll. He's not a sir, by the way, but to Lawrence Stroll um, and Aston Martin team. But today he said this car is undrivable and he certainly made it look undrivable as well. Um, especially with no Lance Stroll there, everything was dependent on um, Alonso performing well. And it, he did to some aspects, but that car also didn't look great around that track. No, it did not. It was it was a shame to see because I remember I think in the press conference on Thursday they were talking about Alonso potentially winning the race. Um but yeah, it just wasn't the weekend for Aston Martin. No, so we had what developed to be a fantastic um, battle. So we, we had uh, Sainz hanging on to first place and he had uh, three Brits behind him. So uh, Russell, Norris and Hamilton um, all within one second of each other. Now this was going on for quite a while really um, and it just seemed, well we know that uh, Sainz was holding them back so he was going as slow as he could without losing the position um, to ensure his tyres were going to get to the end of the race um, and also to help Leclerc. What was your take on all of that? Because it really was feeling like, you know, uh, we had Russell on the radio saying, oh, yeah, he's going, he's probably going two, two seconds slower a lap than, than he can. But, why, okay, George, why didn't you go and get him then? It was really interesting to see because, yeah, like you say, once they'd overtaken the Red Bulls and the Red Bulls had pitted, it was Science, Norris, Russell and Hamilton, the top four. And it was such a good battle. I mean, at some points I was behind him behind my behind my hands because it did make me a bit nervous as to whether one of them was going to crash out. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to be behind then. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good to see. And I think testament to science because, yes, he started on pole and then he won the race. As so some may say, oh, it was an easy race because like, he didn't have to overtake anyone. But this race was about management. And 
defending but also attacking and he managed to manage his tires really well he managed to defend against those behind and like towards the end of the race he worked with Norris who is a competitor at the moment yes they're former teammates but it's Ferrari versus McLaren and he helped Norris but he also helped himself and I feel like throughout the whole race science was playing this game and no one else could match him because like you say Russell was like, oh, well, I think he could, like, hold in two seconds back or something. And it's like, well, like you say, Russell, why don't you go get him? And it almost seemed like Russell was not afraid, but he just wasn't ready to attack. And then at some points, Hamilton was faster than Russell based on the speeds that the broadcast was showing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, th- throughout the weekend, it did feel like Lewis, um, sorry, throughout the race, it did feel like Lewis had the upper hand on on Russell and he was a lot more comfortable in, a, in the race setup than, yeah. than George. And it felt like almost those Mercedes were the wrong way around. But obviously that's because of qualifying and then of it being a harder place to overtake. But when uh, Ocon decided to grind to a halt, not that he decided to, but his car gave up on him. Um, that's when things got really interesting. And we had the VSC out and it didn't look like anyone was going to pit, but they did. They certainly did. So Ockham pulled over on lap 43, which was a real shame because it is his birthday today and then he had to retire from the race. But means he can eat his cake earlier. <laughs> Always look on the bright side. <laughs> um, but yeah, lap 45, Mercedes decided to take the gamble and they pitted both drivers to go on a fresh set of mediums. Now, obviously, over the weekend, the Mercedes did save an extra set of mediums for both drivers, which is where this gamble came to their advantage because it meant they were on fresher tyres. And the way that they closed to those in front, it was really quick. And then once they'd overtaken Leclerc in that, Leclerc was like 11 seconds or something behind them at one point, which was bizarre because he was in front beforehand but yeah the gamble that Mercedes took really paid off and I'm glad it did yeah I mean it was such a it was such a shock to me because the VSC had come out so I thought all right I'm I'm gonna walk out of the room for a minute then I hear that they're both they're double stacking I thought my god what's going on here why on earth would they do that but because Obviously, they had such a big gap, but they then also needed to make that gap up. And it was the speed in which Mercedes were able to um, get to the back of Leclerc. What was it? It was 19 second gap, I think, when they came out the pits and it took six laps. Um, I mean, that is incredible pace. And it does show that, you know, during the race, I believe Mercedes had the best car. Um, It it was it was absolutely evident. It was just that pole, uh, the qualifying position, right? Definitely, because this race was supposed to be a one-stop race. That's what they had predicted. But Mercedes did a two-stop. Like you say, they had enough of a gap to then go into the pits, come out, into clean air, and then make up that time. And it was so quick. And the way that they attacked as well throughout the entirety of the race, their overtakes, yes, some were difficult, but others seemed to be quite effortless. So science was on pole, but his tyres went off towards the end. Mercedes, they just seemed, well, apart from Russell on the final lap, they seemed to have it all together and it worked really well. And considering where they started this year, saying this car is awful it's one of the worst cars it's undrivable to where Mm. they are now Mm. like it was really good yeah and and again it it was a complexity of this race that I, i i can't really remember seeing in a while where because carlos Sainz was keeping the grid so compressed no one could 
make that that surprise pit stop or, or even gamble it because you know if you pit from p3 you're going to come out last and you're not going to come back through the field so you know, it was a, it was a, it was an element of a race that I've not seen in, in in quite a while. But that VSC just allowed Mercedes to use that set of mediums that they'd been saving, and all weekend they kept banging on about this, um, their their extra set of mediums. I thought, well, it's one stop race, one one, yeah, one stop race. You're not going to need them, but it was genius in the end. <laughs> So you, you have mentioned the the battle and especially the last lap chaos. Um, I've not I've not enjoyed sort of a, a five ten lap battle this season as much as as this. This was absolutely brilliant. So they were all neck and neck. You've got Carlos Sainz in the lead by just a fraction with Norris behind him, uh, Russell, and then Hamilton. And what was that? About a second between them all, I think maybe two seconds yeah i think it was like 1.7 seconds separated them all and then leclerc was a bit further back yeah leclerc was <laughs> down um but this battle and abby did you think that russell was going to be able to get the win Let, let's let's say that because the commentary on on well on sky sports uk certainly was suggesting uh martin brundle suggesting that george had this i think in the Initial laps of the final few laps, I would say yes. But then it became clear that Hamilton had the faster car. He had more pace and he said it over the radio. Russell needs to pick up the pace. Unfortunately, he didn't pick up the pace and ended up in the wall, which did give Hamilton the podium. But it was it was such a close call and I couldn't call who would win. I I thought Norris might take it and get his maiden win because of how close he was to science in that. But science just did an amazing drive and played a great game to take the win easily. And it was just so exciting to see having that battle for the lead, that scrap for the podium places. We haven't had that all season because no other team has won. It's either been Perez or majority of the time apart from two races max but it was so exciting to have this is it going to be science is it going to be norris and then the commentators going well i think mercedes could take it it could be an all british podium be a mercedes one too it was unknown but so exciting yeah and i think on paper if you were looking at this um it would have been russell hamilton um well russell taking taking the win with hamilton behind him but the the game that Sainz was playing by giving Norris the DRS so that they were so close together, but still just having that little bit in the bag where he could keep Norris behind just meant that Russell couldn't, there was just no space. And this was, I feel like George Russell, I feel like he could have done better. And I don't think having Lewis Hamilton behind you ready to take that place either was helping him. And it was like he was so focused in front, so focused behind that really there was no brain capacity left. And, you know, we, we saw that with with um, his accident hitting the wall on the last lap. But Lewis looked ready to pounce. And I think that was really what ultimately cost him that because had Lewis got him, I don't know what would have happened, but... Uh, ultimately, I think it's down to science and his amazing management of of that scenario. Because on paper, that Ferrari shouldn't have won. It's as simple as that. 
Exactly. And I think having Lewis behind and knowing that he was ready to pounce the moment you make a mistake probably added a lot of pressure on Russell because you could hear over the radio throughout the whole race, he was going for that win. He wanted that win. And yes, he didn't get it. And he did make a mistake by hitting the wall. But Lando also hit the wall a moment before. And I think he said in his post-race interview that George was probably getting a bit too close and wanted to copy Lando to get ahead, but copied him a bit too much and hit the wall and went straight on instead of following the corner. Um, But yeah, science to be able to focus on his own drive, managing his own tires and keeping the lead, but then also focusing on Lando and being like, okay, well I can help Lando by doing this, which would then help me. It it's incredible. And I think a lot of the time, science can be an underrated driver. And when you think of Ferrari, you think, oh, Charles Leclerc. But science is an incredible driver, and he has shown that in these past two races. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the the tide is starting to to change, really. Um, these last two races, Carlos Sainz has just been on form. And, yeah, his performance today was just utterly incredible. And I don't think anyone else deserved to win that race other than him. Um, it, it was absolutely mega. So it was Carlos Sainz that won the Singapore Grand Prix um, with uh, with Lando Norris behind. And because George Russell decided to put it in the wall, he lost out on a lot of points for Mercedes today and, and himself. And Lewis Hamilton finished off the podium. Now, Carlos Sainz, one driver of the day. We're going to do ours in a minute. Abby, would you like to run through the rest of the uh, order? Yes. So as you said, Sainz, Norris, Hamilton on the podium it was then Leclerc in fourth Verstappen made it into fifth Gasly in sixth Piastri in seventh Perez in eighth Lawson in ninth scoring his maiden points in F1 and Magnussen rounding out the top 10 and the drivers that DNF'd were Russell uh, Bottas Ocon and Sonoda what happened to Bottas I don't think I ever saw that I think it was a mechanical issue potentially i feel like they said over the broadcast but i can't remember right at this moment but he pulled off and his car was pulled off safely so there were no reason for yellow flags yeah that was really lucky because it was near near the climax of the race and the last thing we wanted was a safety car at that point um okay let's move on to your driver of the day abby i'm gonna ladies first you you get you you can go for the obvious one even though you're probably gonna give it to george russell I did contemplate giving it to Russell before his crash. However, I am going to give it to Science because he has been amazing all weekend. And just the game that he played and the intelligence that he drove with today was incredible. I would agree with you, but as we know, we all have to pick a different driver. So um, (laughs) second, I would give it to Lando Norris. It was close between him and Lawson, if I'm honest, but I gave it to Lawson last week. So it's going to be Lando Norris this week. I... um, yeah, again, I don't think he should have finished where he was. And that showed that that's absolute testament to his driving and also his teamwork with Carlos. I think them two being so close and, you know, having such a good relationship. I mean, we'll never know, but could there have sort of been a, a, a subconscious, uh, you know, gentleman's agreement where we're going to get this, right? We're going to make sure that we we get one and two. And maybe Science didn't feel as threatened. I don't know. Do you think that? Or do you think Lando's a racing driver? He would have took it if he could. Potentially, potentially. But I do think if the opportunity arose, Lando would be like, okay, Carlos, you've won before. 
I haven't won. Let me have my race win. So would you like to do the drivers and teams championship standings, Abby? Yes. So Verstappen is still in first, but whilst he would have been able to win the championship in Japan next weekend, after today's race, he cannot. So the championship will continue. Perez is in second. Hamilton has made it into third, ahead of Alonso in fourth. Sainz is then in fifth, ahead of Leclerc in sixth. Russell is in seventh. Norris in eighth. Stroll in ninth. And Gasly in tenth, only three points ahead of Piastri. Now, I I don't know if this is factual, but I'm pretty sure Max would have to DNF in every single race not to win this championship now. Um, It would be something like that. So it's not exactly like it's still open. It could happen. He could not (laughs) score any points. It didn't even happen today, Abby. No, I know. But, you know, it can still... Mathematically, it can happen. Logically... It won't happen. Well, yeah, one thing I haven't quite figured out in my brain, I was thinking this earlier, I may sound like a complete idiot, but here it goes, is I feel like Max has had a far more dominant season this season. How can he, how is it that he won it in Japan last year, but hasn't, won't this time? I don't know, because Red Bull had a lot more DNFs last year as well. Maybe because we missed Imola. Maybe. Yes. Maybe, I'm not sure. If there's any real stat geeks out there, please let me know. <laughs> uh, would you like to do the constructors, which has shifted a bit? Yes. So, Red Bull are still in the lead. Mercedes are second. Ferrari are third, ahead of Aston Martin in fourth. McLaren are looking to have cemented fifth place quite comfortably. Alpine are in sixth. Williams are in seventh. Haas are now in eighth. Alfa Romeo are in ninth. And Alfa Tauri are five points behind in tenth. So it is the Japanese Grand Prix next weekend. We're on a double header. Um, The Japanese Grand Prix is, uh, it's a classic. It's one that I love. It doesn't necessarily work with these cars as well. But uh, I'm still looking forward to it. Abby, are you looking forward to the Japanese Grand Prix? And um, would you like us, dare I say, I don't want to sound biased, but would you like a repeat of this weekend where anyone can win? Yes, I am looking forward to it. And yes, I would. Because we said on the podcast that went out before the Singapore Grand Prix, we both said, Ollie, that we had a good feeling about Singapore and we didn't think it would be a Red Bull win. And it wasn't. So I have a good feeling about Japan and I don't think it will be a Red Bull win. (laughs) I have a great feeling about Japan and I don't think it'll be a Red Bull win. There we go. We're going to be proved wrong now. Of course we are. It's going to be Max Pole, Max win straight away. Well, it's back to a very, very aero circuit. So, um, you know, on paper, if nothing has changed on that Red Bull, then they should be straight back to the top. But only time will tell. Um, We will see you next week for the Japanese Grand Prix review. But we'll be back before then. So so don't panic. You don't have to wait an entire week uh, to hear us talk about F1. But that is all for today. Abby, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me and hosting as always. Thank you very much. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.